This is episode 145. Smarter Parenting welcomes you to our podcast series, The Parenting Coach for ADHD. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Hello, my friends. How are you? Welcome to this episode of the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. We're at episode 145. I am Siope, your host here at the podcast. And today we are going to talk about emotional dysregulation and ADHD and what it looks like. So we're going to talk about why this happens with children who struggle with ADHD, what is occurring in their minds, why do they freak out at even small things. So we're going to talk about that. And during this podcast, what I want you to walk away with is a counter, how you can help their brain overcome this short circuit that happens when they have a meltdown, when they freak out. A couple of things we're going to cover in this podcast. We're going to talk about uh, emotional dysregulation, what it is. We are going to talk about how parents can engage with children with ADHD and emotional dysregulation in order to change their behaviors over a period of time. And the skill that I want you to focus on is effective praise. Because even though your child may have a struggle and may be behaving poorly, we're going to counter that by looking for positive things that they're doing to reinforce the positive behaviors that we want them to continue to have in order to help them bridge that gap between this is something that didn't work out my way, I freaked out, and I'm just going to explode, to okay, this didn't work out my way, I am going to be able to process this a little bit better and use my strengths. What are my strengths that my parents have been able to see in me in order to overcome and be better? So we're going to cover those three topics during this podcast today. And I do need to explain where this podcast came from. I still do community meetings where I'm meeting with parents talking about parental issues. What are the things that are happening with their children? And during one of these uh, community meetings, Melissa, mother, uh, had a question and she said, you know, my child just freaks out. My child is eight years old. She just is seems to be emotionally unstable. One little thing can set her off. And I asked her to go more in depth. Tell me more about what's happening. So she stated that earlier in the morning, the spoon that she was using wasn't the spoon that she wanted to use to eat her breakfast. And so instead of asking for a new spoon, her daughter freaked out and started screaming and yelling and throwing a tantrum. And I thought that was interesting. And I said, okay, can you give me some other examples And uh, she continued to share some experiences with her daughter where even simple things like, you know, missing a, a snack or not being able to do something that she had planned to do, even though it was something she chose to change her mind about, she started to have these huge meltdowns over what to us as parents seemed like minimal, minimal things that seemed to be triggering for her daughter. So in our discussion about this, I started to notice a pattern. Little things can happen that did not go her child's way, and the child started to act out, started to freak out. And that is where Melissa had our time interjecting and calming her child down and saying, okay, this is a small thing. 
you know, you really shouldn't be this upset. It's almost as if the balance of what is happening is small, and yet the outcome, the reaction is huge. So you have one thing that didn't work out well that seems minimal and is minimal, and then you have a child freaking out almost 100 times more than they should because it didn't work out their way. So I started to explore with Melissa a little bit more about this topic, and we were able to determine that there's some emotional dysregulation that is happening. And emotional dysregulation is a topic that has been studied in a lot of different fields. With ADHD, it has been studied, but not necessarily in depth. And emotional dysregulation can happen in a lot of cases and in a lot of instances. So let's go through the definition of what emotional dysregulation is. So the term emotional dysregulation is used to describe an emotional response that is poorly regulated and does not fall within the traditionally accepted range of emotional reaction. Now, it may be referred to as uh, fluctuations in mood. I mean, you may explain it as mood swings or that they're just throwing a tantrum, but there may be some emotional and brain issues that are happening with your child who has ADHD when they have these explosive freakouts over what seem to be minimal things, minimal events or things that just don't go their way. So when someone is experiencing emotional dysregulation, they may have angry outbursts. They may start to have anxiety. They may feel a little bit depressed. It can lead to all these other thoughts and their extreme thoughts like suicidality, so self-harm or destruction of property. And over time, this can, can interfere with the quality of life for your child because it becomes an automatic response to what is happening and how they should respond to things that are occurring. Now, for adults who struggle with emotional dysregulation, this occurs when even simple things like, let's say they were watching television and they lost the remote control, then they start yelling and freaking out. And yeah, that is a typical emotional dysregulation. That is an overreaction to something that is a small action. So emotional dysregulation for children with ADHD occur. It happens, and it happens quite frequently. So what is happening in this case? I want to go over what is happening in the brain of a child who is struggling with emotional dysregulation and with ADHD. Now, what happens is that the amygdala, the part of the brain that is in charge of fight, flight, or freeze, we're talking the very primitive inner part of your brain, that is reactionary to everything, is activated when something happens and it doesn't turn out well. And usually, for most people, that message is sent to your cortex, to the cortex part of the brain that starts to reason. For most people, when they are caught up in a situation where they feel that way, the outer cortex of their brain can communicate with them and say, okay, they can give perspective and say, this is a big deal. This is something you should react to. Or they say, this is not as big as you think it is. Let's compare it to this and this that's already happened in your life. 
So based off of the experiences you have, the memories that you've been able to accumulate, you're able to determine, okay, is this a big deal? Is this not a big deal? Now with children, obviously they don't have a lot of history to give them the perspective that they need to make those decisions. And so that connection in their brain, the amygdala that is in charge of fight, flight, or freeze is very, very powerful. And it's a reactionary part. So when that part is triggered, when the amygdala starts to communicate with the cortex and starts to try and make sense of what is happening, sometimes it doesn't communicate well. And that's what triggers the overreaction of what is happening. There is a brain imbalance in the communication between the two. Now, it's not always the case, but you have to look at the age of the child that you're dealing with. Do they behave typically the way other children their age would behave when things don't work out for them? Okay, so you're making an evaluation also based on other youth, they're about their approximate age, to determine whether or not their reaction to something is normal, is adequate. With children with ADHD, it's usually not. And so they become super reactive. They tend to be, you know, explosive in the way that they deal with the issue. They may yell, scream, fight. And for you as a parent, this is where the frustration sets in because you have a breadth of experience and knowledge that help you put things into perspective. Something like a spilled bowl of cereal is not a big deal. For a child, however, that may be a huge deal. Now, depending on the age of the child, for a younger child, it may be a very big deal. If you're dealing with a teenager who is freaking out over spilled cereal, that may be emotional dysregulation that they're struggling with. And so you need to find ways to help your child put those things into perspective and really help the brain function more efficiently when it's stuck in that primitive amygdala state where it's fight, flight, or freeze. You want the cortex to be able to inform the amygdala, hey, calm down, we're okay. I can see things from this perspective and this is how things work. So it's not as big as you think it is. This is something that you can deal with and you've dealt with it before. So there is a brain imbalance that is happening when children have emotional dysregulation. So it's important to evaluate, is my child overreacting? Is my child reacting the way other children their age are reacting? And gauge it that way, as well as evaluating that your child and your perspective are different because you have a breadth of history and knowledge and experience that helps inform you of what's important and what's not important. And your child has a limited amount of information for that. So there are a few things that you need to consider. Now, when I was talking to Melissa about this, I said, you, you really should evaluate these things. And if it's this emotional dysregulation that your child is consistently going through, we're starting to see a disconnection between the amygdala and the cortex, your brain that's actually starting to reason things out. And we want to make connections there. And so we discussed ways that uh, Melissa can engage with her child in positive interactions. Now, when you're working with a child, there's not a one 
one-size-fits-all approach because you're dealing with a child with different strengths and different weaknesses, but you're also dealing with parents with different strengths and different weaknesses. In the case of Melissa, what I noticed is that she had a very natural way of praising her child despite the negative behaviors. And so because she has that strength, I wanted to focus in on developing that strength to make it more powerful so when she does engage, it is more meaningful. At the same time, I was evaluating how her child would respond to effective praise or to praise because her mom does it. And according to Melissa, her child seeks out her mother's praise and wants to have that praise. So... I taught her the skill of effective praise. Now, don't worry. I'm going to go through the steps so you know exactly how this works. The steps to effective praise are simply four steps, and one of those steps is optional. So it's super easy to do. We've made it as simple as possible so parents can practice this. And in fact, what I want you to be able to do is use effective praise after this podcast with your child or with someone else a significant other, a coworker, a boss, try it. You're going to see changes happening in your relationship because effective praise is very different than just praise, which is what Melissa was doing with her daughter. So let's go through the steps. Step number one, you want to show your approval and find a positive for that. So you want to show the approval or see a positive that's happening. Second, you want to describe the positive behavior and you need to be specific. Being specific about what you observe in the positive behavior is essential. Step number three, give a meaningful reason. So you're going to give a meaningful reason that is meaningful to your child to continue that positive behavior. And then step number four is to give a reward, which is optional. That's the optional step. And that helps to reinforce the positive behavior. If you are thinking about uh, working through effective praise, this is part of the parenting dynamic that is very helpful for children who struggle with dysregulation because it provides a speed bump on their brain thinking from the amygdala to recognize, okay, I'm freaking out, but there's still positive things that are happening, positive things that I'm doing, and I'm being reinforced for these positive things to help override that fight, flight, or freeze reaction. The frontal cortex, the cortex is telling the amygdala, hey, wait a minute, slow down. And that's what helps create this ability for younger children to disconnect that amygdala's power into reacting automatically to everything. Now, you're going to find that this is very typical when you're working with parents who have children with behavioral issues, is you want to focus in on training that will teach parents how to praise effectively and to encourage behaviors that they want to encourage. So you want to be able to help them recognize the good that they're doing, reinforce it so they can remember to continue to do that. Now, when I was speaking with Melissa, she's like, well, my child's in a tantrum right now. So you want me to praise my child when they're in a tantrum? And I said, yes, I do, because it's counter to what you have been doing, which has been yelling back and screaming and getting even more frustrated. So 
by being able to set the pace in the interaction from the parent, the child has two choices. One, the child can follow the pace the parent is leading into, which is if she's going to praise, it's going to slow things down and it's going to allow them to connect. The other one is the child is going to be confused and try and figure out what is happening. Either way, it's going to slow down this process of the amygdala taking over completely and having the reaction become the outcome of these small incidences that are occurring. So we're going to focus on effective praise with Melissa. I talked to Melissa, what are some things that you can praise when your child is throwing a tantrum? Now, that sounds really counterintuitive, but trust me, this helps you set the pace and the mood for the interaction when you're able to recognize, even when your child is struggling, areas that they're doing well in, okay? So we went through a typical tantrum, and then we role-played it. Melissa stated that when she is throwing a tantrum, she will take a break and breathe uh, in between the screaming. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's praise that. We're going to go ahead and praise that. So uh, we did a role play where she was freaking out, and then I praised her for breathing. And then I asked her to replay it again. We were going to role play it, and I said, I want you to absolutely be your daughter. And during the role play, she was acting as if she were her daughter, doing exactly what her daughter would say, how she would behave. And what I picked up on was that in addition to taking breaths every once in a while and praising that, there were moments when she would make eye contact, when she would repeat something, and when I would repeat it back that she would pause. There were little things that were happening in the interaction where if I noticed and I started to focus in on those positive small behaviors, that it shifted the dynamic. And what was interesting is after we did this role play, we did it twice, Melissa reported back that she's like, it was weird because I was freaking out, but I could feel you understanding me and that you were on my side and that it helped to calm me down because I felt like I was being understood. And I said, yeah, that's exactly the point. The point is we're helping to calm down the amygdala, we're actually trying to activate the cortex that's processing the information, and we want that part of the brain to be more active than the fight, flight, or freeze response. So using effective praise and using all of the steps, I would say step number one, find a positive. Hey, I noticed that you made eye contact great job. You know, when you are making eye contact with me and looking at me eye to eye, I feel like I can understand you better and I want to help you. Okay. So if you notice, even in that brief interaction, I've already used step one, which is show the approval, find a positive. Step number two, I describe the positive behavior, being very specific about the eye contact. And number three, I gave a reason why it's important that's meaningful for the child. I want to help you. I want to resolve this. I want to help you overcome this. So I started to notice things that she was unaware of during the interaction, and I started praising even those small behaviors that she was doing, right? And then once I said that, she actually paused and stopped and looked to kind of figure out exactly, okay, great, you want to understand me. 
wonderful. I want to be understood. And then it helped to ease the air around us both so we can get into a point where we could proactively work through the emotional dysregulation that was occurring every time something small happened. So effective praise is very, very powerful. Now, you may be wondering, do I need to yell? Do I need to scream? Because my child is yelling and screaming. My recommendation is no, do not do that. Because it's almost a dance when a child throws a tantrum. And if you're following the child, then the child is leading the dance. What you want to do in your parenting is you want to lead the dance. And that may require you buckling down, being a little bit softer than your child in your voice tone, remaining calm, because then your child has to try and match that over time. Now, some children need to get that energy out and to just scream and yell and, you know, just exude all of that frustration that they may feel. That's fine. But they don't have enough energy to do it forever. And so you want to be there in order to help guide them through the process. You also want to model for them what it's like to be calm when someone else is having a meltdown. They need to be able to see that someone else having a meltdown does not affect how you respond to the person having the meltdown. Parents can remain calm even though a child is having a meltdown. So it's very important for you to remain calm, speak in a normal tone, even as if your child is listening and understanding, and you'll find that your child is going to find, try and find ways to connect with you that will eventually lead them down this path where you're leading the dance and you're not being a follower and letting your child lead the dance in their tantrum state. So using effective praise was the skill that we focused on to help with the emotional dysregulation, noticing every small detail. Now, I wanted to share this in the podcast because I think it's important for a lot of parents to understand that the emotional dysregulation is not a disrespect towards you as a parent or a lack of parenting on your part. It's something that happens with a child's brain where their amygdala is just more powerful than the cortex, which is trying to communicate with the brain to say, hey, this is not as big a deal as you think it is. There's just a disconnect in there. And what you're doing is you're activating the frontal cortex to process the world a little bit differently. So it has some ability to communicate with the amygdala to calm down. And you're also modeling these positive behaviors for your child. So this is the challenge I want to give to you. I want you to practice effective praise with someone that you know in your family. Because I want you to be able to do effective praise naturally and on the spot. You need to do it as if it's second nature. There are only four steps. It's very easy. So again, show your approval, find a positive. Number two, describe the positive behavior and you need to be specific. And then number three, give a meaningful reason that is meaningful for the person that you are praising, not a meaningful reason for you. That's a hard thing for a lot of parents. A lot of times they're like, you know, you need to clean your room or it's going to hurt my feelings. Or why didn't you call me yesterday? Because when you don't call, I feel bad. Those are all reasons that are focused on the parent, not focused on the child. So you want to find reasons that are focused on the child to repeat the positive behavior. 
and then come back and report. I'm anxiously waiting to hear from Melissa to see how it went. We practiced this skill initially with her acting as the child and me acting as the parent so she could get that experience. And then we reverse role played it where she was the parent and I was the child throwing the epic tantrum. And then she would guide me along. And it's about shifting the dance from letting the child with a tantrum lead to letting the parent lead in a calm, meaningful, connected way. So that's my challenge to you. Use effective praise with anyone in your life that you run across today. Use it. Practice it. You're going to see a sparkle in their eye. You're going to see a connection happening between the two of you if you're able to follow all of these steps. It's very powerful. It's a very powerful skill. You're going to find that a lot of professionals use effective praise in order to build rapport with other people. So very, very helpful for a lot of parents. I'm excited to hear your stories and see how well you were able to implement this. This is it for me. Thank you for joining me for this podcast episode. We have so many good things coming up for this podcast, in addition to a new person who will be joining us. And her name is Kimber, and she's fantastic. Can't wait for you to meet her. She has some wonderful insights and things that can really help you out. That's it for me. Have a great day. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye.